Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. All right, everybody, here we go with episode number 98 of the Leaning into Leadership podcast. We are right around the corner from episode number 100, and I cannot wait. If you have not yet marked your calendars, folks, make sure you do. October 4th, we will be dropping episode number 100. It is a special episode. It is a special midweek release. And man, we've got some special announcements and some exciting things that we cannot wait to share with you. Episode number 98, though, is what we're here to talk about today. And joining me on the show today is my buddy, Phil Boyd. Now, if you don't know Phil Boyd, I'm going to tell you this. Phil is a guy who has traveled the continent for over 35 years, working with educators in thousands of schools, and he is all about transforming school culture. He believes in the power of sharing our stories in order to build relationships and trust so that everybody can say, hey, I belong here, I'm safe here, and I can learn and I can grow here. Uh, Phil is the founder of Learning for Living and the creator of the nationally known programs like Link Crew, Web, and Breaking Down the Walls. Phil is the author of the book School Culture by Design and is the host of the podcast by that very same name. Most recently, Phil launched a new program titled People First Administrator Training. And today's episode, Phil and I actually recorded uh, a couple of months ago. So you might catch a couple little pieces here and there where we talk about the coming summer. That's actually going to be the summer that we just completed. But as Phil and I talked, we were really focusing on, you know, what is it that new administrators can be thinking about as they're kicking off their new school year? And, and what can we do as new teachers to be prepared for a new school year? And, and what do we do to make sure that we're always focused on building that positive culture, that positive climate that makes everybody feel like they're seen and heard and valued and trusted? Um, I've known Phil for a long time. I had the, the wonderful fortune of meeting him a number of years ago at the Jocelyn's Renaissance Conference, and he and I have stayed connected. And now with me being in this space, I will tell you, I get the most uplifting messages from Phil all the time. And what's wonderful is I, I hear from him and he just lets me know, hey, you got a fan in North Carolina. And Phil, I know you're going to at least listen to this episode once. I got to tell you, buddy, you have a massive fan in Nebraska. And you're going to have a whole lot more fans after they listen to this incredible episode of the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. And folks, you're going to get to it right on the other side of this message. Hey, leaders, let me ask you this. When you walk in the door every day, what are you looking for? What do you care about? Do other people know? How do they know? Man, if we can't be clear about what we care about, about what we're looking for, and what the vision is for our school, we're not going to be able to have the success that we want. That's why I wrote my book, Road to Awesome, The Journey of a Leader. It is all about finding clarity and then being intentional with your behaviors, your actions, your words, and your communication, connecting right back to that clarity. If the people in your school don't know what you care about, wow, how are they going to hit the target? Grab a copy of Road Dawson, The Journey of a Leader now and find that clarity. In the book, I challenge you to identify just exactly that. What do you really care about? What are you really looking for? And how are you going to go about your daily routines to ensure that you're focusing on the work that truly matters? And right now, you can get the book at a very special price. 
normally $24.99. You can get it for $20, no shipping, and it'll be autographed right on the website, roadtoawesome.net backslash books. Now, here's the key. You got to put in the code. The code that gets you all of that, the discount down to $20 and free shipping is F-O-B-A. Fear of being awesome is not okay, folks. So let's make sure we grab a copy of Road to Awesome, The Journey of a Leader. Get it for that special price. F-O-B-A is going to be your code. RoadToAwesome.net backslash books. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Okay, today on the podcast, we're going to talk about putting people first. As leaders, so often we get focused on the work that has to happen and all the responsibilities that we have and all the different checkboxes that we have that sometimes we forget we're in the people business. And with me today, one of the absolute best when it comes to reminding us that we are in the people business is my friend, Phil Boyd. Phil, welcome into the podcast. Hey, Darren, aren't you Liz's dad? Isn't that your claim to fame, man? <laughs> Absolutely, man. You know it. That's uh, that's what it's all about, right there. So, how's how's everything going today, man? Looks like uh, looks like you've got a good day kicked off today. Yeah, you know what? I live in North Carolina, and it's always beautiful in North Carolina. Don't tell anybody that because we've got many people moving here already. But um, it's not as nice as Nebraska. But you know, I think people should go there first. <laughs> we're, having, we're having a yeah. great day here in North Carolina. So. That's wonderful. I was just down there here, uh, not too far back for the mid-level education conference uh, in Charlotte and truly enjoyed my time there in North Carolina. I know I'm going to be back there a couple of times here here this coming summer. So uh, really quick, Phil, before we dive into this conversation and uh, talk about really focusing on keeping our people first, share with my listeners who maybe don't know who you are just a little bit about yourself and something that they should know. You know, I'm I'm a husband. I'm a dad. Now I get to be a grandpa. I got five little ones. Um, and I, I would say my title is I'm the encourager of the encouragers. I want to try to lift up educators who are just trying to lift up other people. You know, if you're an administrator and your primary thing is to help your staff be better so they're the best for the kids. And if you're a teacher and you're going to be in and out with kids all day, if I can encourage you in some way that causes you to be your best you can be that day, that's, that's my role. That's what I want to do. And I do that as a keynote speaker, as a workshop director, wrote a book called School Culture by Design. So some of y'all know my history. I created a program called Link Crew for freshman orientations. Um, just it's been a fun career. I've loved it. Love that. And yeah, I mean, there's just so many impactful things that uh, that you've been able to do through the course of your career. Uh, you and I actually, I think, connected uh, through Jocelyn's Renaissance a number of years ago. I can't even remember how far back, um, but I've definitely enjoyed uh, following your career and uh, looking up to the work that you do. So I just I want to make sure I, I, I don't skip out on that uh, and tell you that you know, you're definitely an inspiration to a lot of us. So thank you for the work that that you do. Let's let's dive right into this today, Phil. Um you know, we were talking just before we hit the record button about the people that that maybe we're starting to lose from the profession and, and maybe some things we can do to, to keep them here or at least have them feel positive about the experience that they had. Yeah, I think, you know, my buddy, Mark Brown, you know, Newburgh, Oregon. And last year he said some folks were leaving and we were talking about on the golf course and we kind of came up with how can we um, 
how can we say goodbye to people well? You know, I don't think Mark's intent was to try to keep the people. He just wanted to let them know that, hey, we're, we value you. And from what I understand the story he told me is he went to their class or their office and just did a quick video text and just in their space said, we're going to miss you. What you did for kids or for people was powerful. And I think they were anywhere from 60 to 90 second videos just to say, we love you. You were great here. And, and I don't think there was any intention to talk them back into the building. Just people need to go sometimes, whether they're moving to another place or another school or they're leaving the career. And I thought, how brilliant is that to let someone know in a really cool way you you were valued here and we, we appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I think that this time of year, we're, every school is going to have people move on for whatever reason. And how do we honor that? And sometimes in a very personal way. And I thought that was pretty cool just to videotape. And if you're not sure what I'm talking about, just do a selfie with the video on in their space and talk for 60 seconds about what you're going to miss about them. And then just text it to them. It's, it's just very personal. It's very powerful. And uh, Mark, if you're tuned in, I just, I just applaud. Just say, dude, that was great. Yeah, Mark, Mark, definitely a, a friend of the show and, and a friend of both of us. And, you know, that really is. That's a brilliant way to uh, try and send somebody um, off to their to their next stop. You know, I mean, again, it gets back to that we're in the people business. And, you know, if we let people know that we value them, um, it's amazing how word spreads too, right? You know, I mean, maybe maybe they are just moving on to another school or, or to another community, but somebody may ask them sometime about, you know, their experience at, at Newburgh High School, you know, where, where Mark's an assistant principal. And that that's going to be one of the things that uh, that they talk about. You know, I think I think it's Joe Sanfilippo that said it. Um, we don't get to decide which interaction people remember us for. So if we do something positive like that as like their send off, what, what a great way to maybe leave them with a positive memory. Well, you know, you referred to it before. My focus is we're people first, we're professionals second. And most of our day is going to be spent on that list to do, whether we're in the classroom, whether we're working to support as a counselor, an administrator, we got a lot to get done. That, that yellow piece of paper never quite gets finished. And yet, if along the way we recognize every interaction and some of the most powerful interactions we have, we call them way interactions, doorways, stairways, hallways. And if you're an administrator, you know folks don't read your emails very long. And if you think they're listening to you in a staff meeting very long, I think you're fooling yourself. But, you know, yeah. what you share in that 90 seconds standing in their door jam and just, you know what, I just really appreciate you. And you're walking down the halls and you get 45 seconds with them. What are they going to remember about that? Well, those are powerful conversations, much more powerful than that email or that staff meeting conversation. Well, I think that that is leadership. And when when we as leaders are doing that for the adults in our building, we're going to start to see the adults in our building doing that for the kids. I mean, it's everybody, you know, as you very well know, everybody wants to feel seen and heard and valued and trusted. And just those simple little 30, 45 second conversations go such a long way. So much more than, like you said, you know, I can draft an incredible email as a building principal, but let's be honest, nobody cares. Um, but, you know, just stopping and having that simple conversation with somebody about, you know, hey, I really, you know, I, I saw you working with one of our students who was crying the other day. I just, I just want you to know how much I appreciate you or, you know, hey, thanks for, you know, pitching in extra at, you know, the staff picnic or, you know, at the graduation practice or whatever it might be, you know, just letting people know that, that you see them and that you value them makes a huge, huge difference in the culture of your school. Well, I like the two words. I mean, as you, I love leaning into leadership because 
leadership, it's tiny moments over and over and over. And I, I had a chance to interview my neighbor. He owns a Chick-fil-A and he said, you know, to build culture is about being intentional. And sometimes being intentional is inconvenient. So you think about this, let's say you're a site leader and um, you know who's going to be supervising that volleyball game or they're going to be out at the field during the track. And can you imagine if you're like, you know, I've been meaning to chat with her or talk to him and you know they're going to be on the track somewhere and you see them out there, they're at the shot put or something. And it doesn't take a lot, of, but you stand and chat with them for four or five minutes and then you wander off and maybe they don't realize you're the only reason, they're the only reason you're out there is to check in with them. And, and if 90% of what we're sharing with people is celebrating what they're doing right, then they're going to be wide open for the 10% of the time that we need to coach them. And coaching is so different than criticizing because when, when we give people feedback, oftentimes we need to think we need to tell them what they're doing wrong. Well, sometimes we just need to remind people what they're doing right a lot and then remind them how do we want it done. I saw this done with a kid shutting the door. He came in real fast, slammed the door, and his mom's like, hey, how do we close doors? Mom's like, I got to go to the bathroom. Why don't you show me how you shut the door? He went back to shut it. She goes, brilliant. Hour later, he came in, same thing, but this time he should. So she didn't tell him what he did wrong. She just reminded him the right way to do it. Well, as leaders, we don't have time to go around and talk to people 15 different times. So if we can just continue to remind people what we want, what we want, what we want, people get it. And I mean, 95 to 99% of the people on your campus, students and adults want to do things right. They just need to be reminded what it is. That's such a big driver in culture too. When when we're focused on looking for the great things that are happening, those positive things that are happening and reinforcing those things, yes, more and more and more, those things are going to continue to repeat themselves as opposed to, man, if all we do is just harp on those those bad things or the things that we don't want to see, it's it's like all of a sudden our mindset becomes just focused on that. And that's like all we can see. Um, I think that's huge, but I want, I want to go back to something that you talked about just, just a second ago, cause I think it's, it's really poignant. Um, you know, you talked about being intentional, which, which to me, leadership is about two things, extreme clarity and being intentional about the things you're clear about. Um, but you talked about, you know, that person's going to be at the track. They're going to be at the shot put and you're going to go and, and have that conversation. And maybe you're the, that's the only reason you're there and they don't know that. It, it gives me it gives me some thought around another piece that I think is so critical in leadership, and that is just an understanding of timing. Uh, we, we were talking about this, I think, just a little bit before uh, we got started, but there are times when um, – did I lose you, Phil? You look like you're frozen. Nope. I'm here. I'm good. Okay. All right. Okay. I'll, I'll go back and try that again. I had a little blip. I don't, I don't know if it was me or if oh, it was okay. you. Okay. I'll – Okay, I'll, I'll take that again. So when we're intentional about, you know, going and, and seeing that person, you know, it's we're not rushing to, you know, immediately, you know, address, you know, address an issue or, you know, come and come and check in with somebody when, when something has happened. I always felt like as a leader that one of the things and, and I had areas that I could always continue to grow. But one area I felt very strong was I was really good about finding the right time to have those conversations. I think it's just so critical and something I know our early career leaders don't necessarily understand the importance of timing. So let, let's maybe talk about that a little bit from that that people first perspective. Well, I think it's really important to consider when you approach somebody where are they? What, what are they just coming off of? You know, both of us are speakers. We come off a stage and sometimes people want to come up and share their story. Sometimes they want to give us feedback. 
Well, the worst time to get feedback is when you're raw. And so for me to walk off the stage and someone say, I don't like the way you said that, man, but give me an hour, give me, give me a day. Yeah. When I was coaching the youth sports, I remember coaching little league team and I told the parents, look, I need to get better. So I, I appreciate your feedback. Some of you've been around sports a lot, but please don't come talk to me about it right after the game. And I said, because I may be short with you or I might be, have to do something, but man, if you call me the next day or catch me at practice, please, because I, and you could see them nodding. Well, I realized the same thing with my kids. Some of you listening have a child who's playing a sport or involved in dance or whatever. Well, imagine the ride home. Lori and I made a commitment whenever we went to our kids' sporting events, if possible, I would, would take two cars and I would ride home with them. And the only thing I would say is, hey, tell me your favorite part of the game. Tell me something one of your teammates did that was really cool. Because they're so afraid I'm going to tell them what they did wrong. They're so afraid that I saw that play or when they dropped the ball. That's not the conversation. And see, I, I had a dad that did that for me. He just it never told me what I did wrong. He did, and it, this was like years ago. It's just so. I wonder how many times we get in a rush. We have to give this person this feedback, and we don't recognize they just came out of four classes in a row. They didn't have a break. They just need to go to the bathroom. Or we know them enough to know that they have ten minutes before they have to get in the car and go pick up their child. So if we try to use that time to give them feedback, it's probably not going to go over as well as if we catch them and say, hey, when's a good time tomorrow or later today for you and I to have a 10-minute chat? Let them decide that. And then if we can, fit it in. Because otherwise, it's like, wah, wah, wah. They don't have the ability to hear us. Well, and they, they don't see that you are trying to see them as, as another person in that moment, but rather you're trying to see them as their boss or as their supervisor or as somebody who's responsible for holding them accountable for whatever it is that, that you know, maybe has occurred. I, I like the piece about, uh, about coaching, too, because uh, you're right. You know, heat of the moment, you know, right at the end of a game, whether it's a win or a loss or whatever, um, emotions can be high. For early career leaders, what, what are a couple of tips for, for them to, not, not just the timing piece and, and, and asking people to give them a little bit of time, what, what's something else that those early career leaders can do to keep their own emotions in check? Because as leaders, our emotional barometer is huge for the building. Yeah, I think I learned this years ago, quit making six-second decisions Something happens and we want to go deal with it right now. And my buddy, Dr. Bob McBride, Lockport uh, Township High School up in uh, Chicago area, he said, yeah, sometimes we have to run to the fire. There's a big thing happening. If there's a fight, if there's something on, we have to get there. But that doesn't mean we have to solve it right then. One of the best bits of advice I got was, you know, when a kid gets in a fight or has an interaction inappropriate with a teacher, we rush in the office. And my buddy, John Deaver, said, I always sit the kid down and say, hey, I'm going to go get a bottle of water. Would you like one, too? No. I, he said they never said yes. So depending on the tone of that, I walked out. He said, I'd be gone five minutes or 15 minutes because I needed them to calm down. And then I put a bottle of water in front of him. Most of them never touched it. But he said, That's, hey, tell me what happened. I didn't tell him what I'd heard from the teacher. I wanted to hear. And one guy told me he had a track outside his office. He said, I take these kids for a walk. We go around the first time. He says, all right, what happened? And then the second time, tell me again, how did it happen? And by the third time, well, this is kind of what I heard. And by the fourth time, he'd say, hey, what do you think we ought to do about this? He said, we started about the fifth lap going into a mile. The kid's like, how much longer are we going to walk? But by then they're calmed down. They've seen two perspectives. 
So there's all these cool things that people have done. So if I'm an early career administrator, I'm going to have my ears open. I'm going to go to workshops and I'm just going to listen to people who've got a few more wrinkles and scars than I do because I want to learn from their mistakes. I want to go, oh, Ron Severson talks about being a football game when the streaker ran across the football field and he told his assistant principal, go get him. Well, they never caught the kid and they come back and they said, what do you want us to do if we caught him? Drag him back across the field naked? And they all laughed and said, yeah, I guess we won't do that again. But I think we laugh about it now, but in a moment they're like, go get him. And I think for us to, to just go in and set our ego aside and open our ears to go, what can I learn from this? I think that's, if I'm an early career leader, that's, that's what I want to do is just listen and be absorbing. That is just so big because, uh, you know, I think, I think we were talking about this before we hit record. I can't remember. Um, maybe we've talked about it here, here during the recorded time, but, you know, as an early, early career leader, you know, sometimes that, that feeling that, you know, it's, it's about me and I have to look like I'm in charge. And so, yeah, I can imagine, you know, the streaker running across the field and, you know, the feeling in their head is, oh my God, everybody's watching. What am I going to do? Well, we're going to go get that kid. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to prove that we're tough and that, you know, we're not going to tolerate this. And, you know, that's not necessarily the best, the best. I, I, I love that response. <laughs> what were we going to do when we caught him? You know, I mean, they're probably really lucky they didn't catch him. Um, is that would have probably just made things a whole lot worse. But but I think I think so often that that is that common like, you know, we want to respond as opposed to or rather we want to react as opposed to taking a breath and then responding appropriately. That's such a big thing for for honestly, not just early career leaders. There are some that that even as they continue to go, you know, I'm sure I had moments, you know, even late into my leadership career where Maybe I reacted instead of responded. And, you know, I was at least at a point where upon reflection, I could go, wow, what was I thinking there? You know, as opposed to early in my career. Yeah, that was a good idea. And no, no, it wasn't. Yeah, well, well, we learn. That's why it's valuable to to give ourselves grace. But here's another thing I want to share in leaders, whether you're in a school system or anywhere, is Michelle Anderson, who is now the principal at Sunnyside High School, Fresno, 3,200 kids, 238 adults, big place. And she said, when I became the principal, I thought I was supposed to have a bank of answers. People would come in and ask me a question. I thought, she said, what I've learned, and she, she shared this in our People First admin training. We do these retreats. And she said, I learned I need to be a bank of questions. Because the truth is, she goes, most people who come to my office already have a pretty good idea of what they think they should do. And if I can learn to ask them questions, first, I'll get a sense of what their plan is. Number two, I can validate it. And number three, I can coach them if it's going to get them in a wrong direction. Rarely, she says, do I have to start over with my own answers? And I love that quote. I've learned that I need to be a bank of questions rather than a bank of answers. And Man, if you're young and you're like, I thought I was going to be an assistant principal for two more years, and now all of a sudden I'm the principal, then you got some folks on your staff. They've been doing this for a while. They've seen it come through. And if we can, I'm not saying you, if we can learn to ask better questions and then just see what happens, we're going to learn tremendous things from these folks. And they're going to be ready for the next time to say, hey, yeah, I know what to do. Because talking to Michelle, all she did was remind me that, yeah, I was on the right track. It's also going to encourage them to come back to Michelle and ask again. Right. But what it does is it shifts them from 
relying on Michelle to solve their problem, to empowering them to solve their own problems, and just looking to Michelle for some validation and some support. And not only that, and, and that's the exact same struggle that, that I had my first year. I thought, I call it Superman syndrome. I mean, I thought I had to be everything to everybody. And in reality, you know, once, once I kind of made, you know, my transition from firefighter to leader, and I was focused on growing my assistant principals and growing my department heads, that's exactly the same, the same thing. I love that Michelle said that. I mean, I, I would answer questions with questions. Uh, I, I know it got to the point where as a superintendent, my, my principals and assistant principals almost made a joke of it of, okay, Darren, ask me a question after I tell you this, because they knew I wasn't going to give them the answer. I was just going to say something like, well, tell me, you know, tell me what you think you might want to do here or what might be your options or whatever. Cause you're right. It absolutely sets the leader up for that opportunity to coach others and empower them to to really take on that ownership man that to me that's like the only way that as leaders we really breathe life into like that that ultimate vision we have for our school is to get everybody really feeling like hey we're all in this together and i have some ownership and ability to go make a difference in the direction of our school not just simply i'm waiting on darren i'm waiting on phil i'm waiting on michelle to tell me what to do next um, when, when you're working uh, in in your retreats, what what are some things that um, that maybe you know those who are a part of your retreat share or that you share or or maybe that you've heard that help those early career leaders kind of move from you know that firefighter stance into truly being a leader in their in their respective positions. Well, I think one of the biggest things is being aware that early part of our career, we're driven a lot by ego because typically leaders are high achievers. They did well in school. That's why so many people get in their PhDs now because that's what we do and we're good at education. And some of the best leaders I have are like, I barely got my master's. But the point was they learned and learned and learned and then they just put it into action. So it's not... Yeah, I think that a lot of leaders right now are super high achievers. And so we're driven by our ego and guilty of that myself. And so how do I manage my ego so I'm more open to feedback? I'm more open to ideas. Um, When I say open to feedback, you know, right now in education, so many people are slamming people. You know, one superintendent said, I'm being called the stupid intendant. Another buddy of mine, he said, I feel like I've been stepping on rakes for the last two or three years. There's no playbook. Every time I make a choice, bam, it hits me in the head, it hits me in the head. And so if we can recognize that we're all learning and we can set our ego aside, and I think how we do that is Brene Brown says, you, you need to get five people that you can totally trust. And she says, when stuff comes from other places, you just kind of have to let it go. I think it was uh, Ted Lasso who said, have a memory of a goldfish. They're the happiest fish in the world because they only have a 10-second memory. So if you get yelled at, uh, verbally abused, whatever, challenged by someone, and you know it's not true, have that memory. But if something causes you to go, hmm, well, connect with one of those five people. Say, hey, can I run this through you? And say, you know, the way I handled this was this. And those five people know you the best. You say, yeah, I don't think you handle that real well. They'll give you true feedback. And some of you are going professionally or personally, well, you might choose to have them both. Darren, when you watch me speak, you've seen me speak now enough times, you've seen other speakers. If I say, give me a feedback, you're gonna look at it different than one of my friends who doesn't speak or they might go, man, that was amazing. 
but you might go, you could have had a little bit more powerful end or, you know, the way you told right. that story, had you shortened it or had you explained a little bit more. So you might be one of my five on the professional side while I might have five more on my personal side, or it could be three and two, but I just want to have some folks that will be totally honest that will say, yeah, Phil, remember about two years ago, you dealt with this and it looks like you're dealing with it again. And for me to humble myself to go, you're right. Um, so, so I, I think those are some pieces of just honoring that we're people first and, and reflect ourselves to go, because we always think people first is about making other people first. But if we take care of ourselves really well by reflecting and honoring the fact that we do make mistakes and I'm going to clean it up and move on, then man, I'm a healthier leader for me, but also for the people I'm serving. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges that those early career leaders have. And again, ego gets gets in the way of it is finding genuinely finding those five people who are going to give us real feedback as opposed to trying to surround ourselves with with people who just want to pump us up and say, oh, yeah, everything you're doing is great. Um because let's face it, I mean, you know, like you said, leaders are high achievers. And, you know, when I ascend into a principal role or something like that, I mean, maybe that was like at the time that was, man, that's what I'm really, you know, striving to be. I've arrived. I need to be perfect and only get better every single day. And if I just surround myself with people who tell me how perfect I am, I don't really grow. I don't really get better. And I, I know that that's something I, I, I'm certain I struggled with that a little bit too, although I, my head was so far below the water. I, I don't know if I even had time to think about that, but uh, um, definitely something that I think is a challenge for those those early career leaders. And um, I wonder too about, uh, you know, another, another real strong uh, common thread that you and I have is the school culture piece. And I wonder about how, you know, early career leaders from your perspective you know, uh, they're going to focus on so many other things, you know, oh my gosh, our test scores have to come up or our attendance has to get better. We've got to decrease our discipline referrals or whatever it is. You know, I'm, I'm four teachers short and I've got this and I've got that and my budget's got to be here. And how, how do you, as that early career leader, how do you, how do you take that step back and remember how important your culture and climate is? And so maybe, I don't know, a couple of quick things for those those who are just getting ready maybe to launch into their first principalship, what, what should they be thinking about? Well, I think that most people, when they look at their list, it's all the things you described. How do we get numbers up? How do we get this, this, this? And if you as a brand new leader say, my very first priority is to get to know the people that I'm here to serve, because that's really, administrators are simply there to serve. And so take the time. And, and I, I had... Uh, administrator in uh, Boulder City, Nevada, say to me, Phil, I love what you did today. Your PD was fabulous, but I'm not a people first thinker. I think about my tasks. How do I consider people first? I said, well, put it in your to-do list. She goes, what do you mean? I said, well, your to-do list starts at 7, 730. I said, what if at nine o'clock you say, I need 15 minutes to go walk into three classrooms simply to tell that teacher what they're doing well or to five, five kids and say, you're doing awesome. What if at noon you walk into the main office, you just walk around to three different people, say, I appreciate the fact you're here. She just lit up. She goes, I could do that because I schedule things. Well, if you're brand new to a school, <laughs> what would happen if you said, hey, you know, I'm going to take the office people out to lunch. We're going to go down to Applebee's because it's down the road and I'm going to spend 90 minutes. I'm going to buy their meal or maybe you can't afford they're going to buy their own meal, but you're going to go with a list of questions like, hey, um, tell me a fun fact. 
What do you mean? Well, what's something about you? And one person might say, I was born and raised in Alaska. The person right next to him might say, I have three kids. The person, And all of a sudden, they're like, you have three kids? I didn't know that. And so not only do you get to know them, but they get to know each other better. And then if you're intentional about just getting to know the people, they're going to do things for you that you're not even aware of because they feel like you care. You cared enough. One administrator said, I just went in the cafeteria and said to the lead person, hey, I want to take you all out to lunch. What's a good time to do that? Well, not before lunch here. And so they went like at 1.30. They had the kitchen area cleaned up and they just went in 90 minutes. Well, maybe you do it with the custodians, but you just bring some pizzas into their office. They come in for 30 minutes. And the point is, if you look them in the eyes and listen to them, they're going to love you in a way that they will serve you and be a partner with you. Things as simple as changing light bulbs and refreshing a broken paper towel thing. They seem like little things, but to them, it's a choice because you said, I care first. And if the very first thing you do is connect with the people, that's going to serve not just you. Anything they do for you is just helping the community. Because you're just there as a as a conduit. You're you're anything that someone does to help you as the leader is really helping you guys achieve what this community needs. That's really powerful. And and again, it's again, it's it's just all about the human beings. I mean, if we can increase the human experience, if we can improve the human experience that all of the adults we have in our schools experience on a regular basis, that's going to impact the kids immediately. You know, when we have employees who are really happy, who really appreciate what, you know, what they're doing, you know, they know that their leader knows their name. Um, what a powerful thing, right? Like just the other day, I wrote a blog about this a couple of weeks ago, but um, I popped into, you know, Planet Fitness. I'm going, you know, do my morning workout and I scan in like I do every single morning. Well, the guy at the desk, when I scanned in, he said, hey, Darren, have a great workout. And I walked away thinking, he just called me by my name. You know, hey, I was seen at Planet Fitness. Um, it's a simple, simple thing. But, you know, I mean, I always felt like as, as a leader, one of the most important things was never let somebody cross your face without saying hello, without acknowledging them, without, you know, if you can call them by name, do that. Because um, you never know how that's going to impact them. Um, just, just those little simple things. And then all of a sudden people start to trust and believe in, in you as a leader. And there is, there are going to be those times where you're going to make a mistake and you're going to have to apologize, or you're going to, um, ask of something big of them. But what you're talking about is just really investing in them and letting them know, Hey, you know, there's a human connection. I see you for who you are. I want you to see me for who I am, which is a person, not the principal, not the superintendent, not the custodian, not the, uh, the cafeteria staff member, but Phil or Darren or Mark or Angela or, or whoever, you know, I mean, let's actually know each other uh, on a personal basis. I think that's just such powerful, powerful advice. Um, and, and I love how you talked about it with uh, the person from Boulder City. Just put it on your calendar. Just be intentional about it. You know, I used to always put like school culture, you know, in like 15 or 20 minute blocks. And, and I would do that on the weekend. So I had time blocked off. I didn't even know what I was going to do yet, but I just made sure I at least had some time, you know, so that, ah, man, I, I just know if we don't focus on it on purpose, our culture will change. It just won't change probably in the direction we want it to go. Well, I always wonder if someone sees you at a restaurant or they see you walking in the halls and someone said, who's that? What are they going to say? Oh, that's our principal. She loves us so well. 
my buddy Tim Lyles passed away in September of 2020 of cancer, not related to COVID at all. And if you've read my book, School Culture by Design, there's a number of stories I share about him because, and I wrote that book five years before he died, just he was doing amazing things, but he was loved so well, they named the, the, the street into the school after him, after he passed away at 54 years old. But I was with him one time, we were checking into a hotel, three hours, four hours from where his school was. And all of a sudden the, the cashier looked up or the person checking us in goes, Lyles. He goes, yeah. He goes, man, I haven't seen you forever. He said, I graduated about 10 years ago, but I'll never forget. You said hi to me every time you pass me in the halls. He reaches over and gives him a hug, man. I told you I was speaking at the ULEAD conference in Banff recently, and I just asked the guy who was um, helping us with the mics. I had a crowd of about 50 or 60 people in my workshop. He goes, hey, is your mic okay? I said, yeah, thank you. But I said, I need a fun fact. He said, a fun fact. I said, yeah, what's something cool about you? He goes, well... He tells this story. I said, really? It sounds like one of your teachers had an impact. He said, oh, yeah, my junior year. He tells this two-minute story about how much that junior year teacher just leaned into him. And This guy had to be 50 years old. And I know he yeah. told me, I said, when did you graduate? He said, 91. So, yeah, figure that one out. And, and he goes, I can still remember his name, how he spoke to us. These are simple things, but they're not little things. And that's the piece that we have to remember. Someone's going to tell our story someday, and hopefully it's not, oh, yeah, well, they got better numbers while they were in, in, in the role, or that <laughs> went up 20%. Yeah. I, I want people to say, he cared about me. He always saw me. He noticed me. And uh, we can't say we're going to remember their names. There's no way, but man, remember their eye color. That's amazing. It makes me think of a handful of stories. I'm not going to chase those stories right now, but it makes me think of a handful of ones that uh, I've experienced over the last handful of years. Um, very, very similar kind of thing. Um, so, Phil, let's do this. Let's let's transition to the last question I ask everybody here on the podcast. Um, it's the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. So what what are you doing right now, my friend, to lean into leadership? You know, I heard years ago, when you're green, you grow. When you're ripe, you rot. And uh, I, I want to keep growing. And, and something Lori, my wife, and I started doing every morning that we're home, we read together 15 to 20 minutes. And we take a, a walk for about a mile and a half. We talk about the book and we've read so many things. So as I'm wanting to learn the leadership, what I, I'm trying to do is just listen and learn. I'm listening on Audible, a book recently, The Gap and the Gain. I'm rereading Lencioni's book, The Advantage, um, and just trying to just continue to grow because I never know what the next opportunity is going to be. Um, another thing that haunts me a little bit is I heard a guy years ago say most preachers will walk across town to give a sermon, but they won't cross the street to listen to one. And what I want to do as a speaker is do everything I can when I have opportunities to sit and listen to a speaker, whether it's a podcast, whether it's the opportunity to sit in an audience and just watch and absorb. And I, I rarely sit in the front row when I was at CATA recently and Dr. Farah had a chance to keynote and she blew the place away. I said, she asked me to sit in the front and there really wasn't a lot of room, but I want to be six rows back because I wanted to feel the audience. Because if you're in the front, you feel one thing, but man, when you're in the middle of it and what I was picking up from people while she was talking was all the right stuff. And so those are a couple of things I want to do because I want to keep growing. And, and so I can grow by listening, learning and feeling. That's outstanding. Um, you know, I, I wasn't able to be at CADA this year. I was, I was speaking in a, 
uh, I think I was in a district in Nevada that particular day. And actually, I got a, I got a text from Farrah uh, just not too far before she went on stage and wished her luck. And I really wish I could have been in the audience for that. I know it would have been an amazing experience. But uh, um, people are going to want to talk. Uh, with you, Phil. I know every every time I'm with you somewhere, um, people come up and, and they want to talk to you about, you know, hey, can you come to my school? Or, hey, can I ask you a question about this? And um, one of the coolest things I think I've ever experienced, uh, you and I together, I think, at the Renaissance Conference last year, somebody came up and said, hey, do you have a business card? And you just gave them a book. And they're like, there you go. That's the best business card I could ever give you. And and to me, that's been like this massive takeaway for me. Everywhere, everywhere I go, you know, it's, you know, hey, you got a card. You know, I'm always making sure now I'm carrying my book with me so I can just give a copy and say, here you go. That's the best business card I can give you. I, I love that. But we can't just give away copies of your book here on the podcast. Well, we, we could, but that's that's not easily to, easy to do. So um, how do people get in touch with you? That's where I'm going with this. Uh, well, my phone number is 1-800-HOT-DUDE. No, not really. I wish I didn't get that one because I think I, I think you got it first. But uh um, you know, Phil Boyt, if you just go to philboyt.com, and my name is B-O-Y-T-E, um, or look up School Culture by Design, just give us a call in our office. We'll, we'll ship. It's a lot cheaper to do it through that than it is to do it on Amazon. Um, and so, um, yeah, that's or just philboyt.com and, uh, or Gmail, philboyt at Gmail, or easy ways to get a hold of me. Or call Darren and say, hey, Darren, if you're, if you're booked already. I can maybe- hook you up. <laughs> but that's, you know, absolutely there's so many good people in our world and our lives that, that i just want to give air high fives to all you're listening because yeah you know there's so many people the other day i saw someone they said why are there all these mean people in the world i'm like i'm not running into a man i keep running into these givers and, and and lifters and so thank you darren for the opportunity to be part of this this is fabulous yeah, no, I appreciate it. And, you know, what what that comes down to, what you just said there about, you know, surrounding yourself with givers, that's a choice. You know, we have that choice. We can surround ourselves with those negative people. They're out there. If you want to go looking for them, you'll find them. But, you know, I'm the same way, man. I, I just try to surround myself with people like you that, you know, are there to lift each other up, to air high five each other, uh, throw each other a text message every now and again, just say, hey, man, checking in with you, see how you're doing. I appreciate that you do that with me. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for being here on the podcast. As always, my friend, it was it was great having this conversation. Thanks, bud. I don't know about you, but I can never get enough Phil Boyd. Uh, one of my good friends, Tom Cody, refers to Phil Boyd as America's point guard because Phil is that guy who is always setting other people up for success. One of the absolute best human beings that I know. All of his contact stuff is in the show notes, folks. Make sure you grab that. Uh, get in there, get in contact with Phil, the work that they're doing. Um, everything to do with School Culture by Design is just absolutely phenomenal. So make sure you connect with him. And now it's time for a pep talk. On today's pep talk, I want to talk about never letting someone cross your face. Now, you might be wondering what I'm talking about. And I'll tell you, when I was a basketball coach, all of my athletes knew exactly what I meant. And as a basketball coach, when you say never let someone cross your face, it means we don't let somebody come through the paint. And if they do, they go behind us. We don't let them go in front of us. It's just way too easy to get the ball in the paint if we let them cross our face. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about very specifically, never let someone cross your face in the hallway, in the, in the parking lot, on the playground when you're at your school. Never let them cross your face without acknowledging them, saying hello, giving them a smile, 
calling them by name if you know their name and if you don't find a way to learn their name folks there's nothing more valuable that any one of us have than our own name and we all love to hear our name especially when it's somebody else who's talking to us it's great to feel that acknowledgement it's great to feel seen right so never let someone cross your face at school without giving them some kind of an acknowledgement. Maybe it's just knuckles. You know, maybe you're in the middle of a conversation and you could at least look at them, give them a little smile and a nod, but never let someone cross your face without acknowledging them. Folks, it is one of the very best culture builders you can use and it costs you nothing. Once again, never let someone cross your face without acknowledging them. Take it for what it's worth, folks. It's one of my favorite culture builders. Thank you for joining me here on Leaning Into Leadership. Have a road to awesome week. Thank you for listening to the Leaning into Leadership podcast brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.